0: I hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. So let me just track with you guys, as you probably don't know me. If you don't know me, my name is John, I'm the pastor here, and I'm from Canada. So I was, um, my wife and I, and Michaela was about this high. How old was she when we were in Vancouver, three? 18 months, okay, thanks. As a dad, you try your best, right? So, so anyways, I'm, I'm in Vancouver, and um, I was supposed to go to Regent College to do seminary. It didn't work out. The finances were just way too expensive, and 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 so I was now living in the most expensive city in Canada to live in, and I uh, had no means of job, no no nothing. It was like literally, I we secured a house, uh, an apartment in this this pla- in the city of Vancouver, and I wasn't going to go to seminary. Now what? My friend called me up, and he's like, hey, do you um, if you're looking for work, I actually work as a, uh, a ramp guy, a rampy, at the big Vancouver airport. I said, oh. He's like, I've never worked in, in an airport. So there I was, got a job. I'm now the lead hand for a, for a transfer company at the South Terminal in Vancouver Airport. And I'm the guy, you know when you see him, uh, see him outside with here in New Zealand, you guys wear like the short shorts? The Chuck, what are they called again, Nathan? Chuckies? Stubbies. Stubbies. Here they wear the Stubbies with the big boots and they have the orange batons bringing in planes. That was me in Vancouver. And here I was. Was uh, bringing in these big planes, and I'd have to bring them in, bring them in, and then I do this, and they stop, and I have to put power to it, and then I run to the very back of the plane, and I throw open this this cargo door, and I rush. I literally have to. It's a lot. It's a big workout. So you you lift yourself up, get into there. This guy comes with a little golf cart with a with a trolley, and you just throw the bags in like without any. No, well I, I don't work there anymore. That's what we did to your bags. We just threw them. So when you have like the indestructible bag we somehow found a way to break it so we so that's what I was doing i remember one time in vancouver as it is very much the weather like here it had we had a bad patch of rain it was raining for like i think 30 plus days and in vancouver like here that i've noticed it's a cold rain you get cold to the bone and because it's right along the coast. And so I remember being out there, just kind of freezing for a reason, waiting for this plane. I see it land, and I'm just waiting for it to taxi. I'm like, oh, this is just crazy. So I bring it in, and I park it, and then I, put, and I run. And this plane had been, it was a warning in our facts that this plane had a, uh, it had a faulty cargo door. I said, OK. So in the cargo doors, you, you pull this handle, and you push down, and it pops open. And then you push it up till you hear a click. And then it's supposed to be in place. But this one had this ability to not always click. And now in a busy ramp where you're hearing helicopters and planes turn out, you can't really hear this click. So I brought it all the way up, and it was wet and cold. As it got up, I jumped up, and then the cargo door Started sliding down, and my top of my cranium right here decided to meet perfect, like Tetris. Do, 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 do. Like just, cr- it was like in slow motion. All of a sudden, this door just hit me straight down on my head, and I could feel my bones of my neck just kind of telescope. Do, do. And I'm like, I just, you know, I'd shake it off. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I gotta get these bags to like to the to the little carousel. So I I didn't report it, like I had no time. I got back into the into the airport and my boss said, UK, it's like and I was like, you know how you do, you're like, No, there's no blood. I'm like, I think I I'm 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 feeling sore, but again it was cold and rainy, so I thought maybe my body was just kinda protecting the injury. So I went for the whole day, came home, and I'm just not well. Crystal says, you need to go see a chiropractor. So I phoned up this guy. I think his name was Dr. Rye. And I went into his office. And this this guy was great. Like, he would put a nice warm towel around your neck just to limber things up, warm things up. And I remember, like, sitting, and my anxious thoughts. I, I love what she was talking about. I, about the woman that thought about her, she's she's gonna get fired, and then she goes in the next day and she gets a promotion. That's how I felt with my chiropractic visit. I'm like, there's, I've heard stories of people chiropractors like doing an adjustment and then they're paralyzed. I'm like, oh my gosh, it just scared me. So I go in and I'm not well. I'm just like, hi, my name is John. I'm here for my appointment. And and I remember sat. He's like, okay, come sit. And he puts these warm towels, and I'm feeling okay. All right. And then I just start to hyperventilate. Okay, okay. And I just, okay. And then all of a sudden, I am having a full-blown panic attack, anxiety attack. And then Dr. Wright comes in and he goes, John, I just wanted to remind you that I haven't touched you yet. I'm like, no. And it's like, what's going on? And he's just like, just breathe. Just, he's like, now... Caring for me, not with my neck yet, he's just caring for me with this new injury that he's now seeing, and it is my anxiety attack. Lowers the lights and just says, look, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm just going to give you 10 more minutes and just rest. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 as our working text for tonight. If you have Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. In the New International Version. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things Max Lucado wrote a book called Anxious for Nothing and a Calm in a Chaotic World. You guys probably remember, I, re- I read this book literally verbatim through lockdown. And one of his chapters, I just I had to come back to, is he uses an acronym, and if you're taking notes, is CALM, C-A-L-M. So I'm going to talk about the first one he talks about, Celebrate God's Goodness Turning your attention away from those problems and begin, if you can, I know it's hard in the midst of that anxiety and, and that panic to begin to maybe celebrate God. I know that's hard. I didn't, in my moment of my 10 minutes in the darkness and Dr. Rye leaving the towels on my neck, I wasn't having a worship time, enter the worship circle, Hallelujah. like I, I wasn't having a celebration at that moment. The more you stare at your anxiety, the more you stare at those thoughts that want to grip you around the neck, isn't it interesting, the more you stare at them, the larger they grow, overanalyzing these problems like the woman did in that story where where she just overanalyzed, I'm going to lose my job. I, I, I'm already starting to look online, going on indeed.com. I'm already sent, getting my CV ready. I've already got my friends ready to, to have a, a pity party and, and drink wine and cheese, and you know just ready. On the, on the. And then she builds all that up. She overanalyzes those things, and it creates more and more angst. You guys know angst, 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 and anxiety. Do you guys... Look at this psalm I'm going to put up in the front. Psalm 121. Look what he says. He goes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I love that. It it literally says, look up. When we were praying here um, tonight, and we are praying for you. We we're praying for um, the issues of anxiety. And sometimes there are anxious thoughts are, are kind of real and natural. But there are people that have been gripped by a demonic oppression of, of fear and, and demonic oppression of that anxiety. And the image that I got was, and I wanted to do this with Nathan and Phyllis, if, if they could just kind of climb on top of me and just be like those globulous amoeba-like Things just be, you know, you ever done Dead Man, where you go and Dead Man, and you just lay on top of a person? You've done that game, right? I'll do it with you, Sophie, later. I'll just do Dead Man. i just lay on top of you, and then you'll slowly pass out. So it'd be like doing two Dead Mans on you. But that's how sometimes anxiety feels, right? You just feel like this. It just another one climbs on top and Dead Man. Another one climbs on top. How can you even look up and look up? You can't see? You've probably felt like that. I, in my moment in the doctor's office, in the chiropractor office, I couldn't look up. I couldn't see. I was just hyperventilating. My, my oxygen levels in my blood, if you're the doctor, it wasn't doing well. Peter goes through this. Look at this. Psalm four. Uh, sorry, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples to get into a boat. Go on ahead of him, the other side, where he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Isn't that how sometimes anxiety is? It comes in waves. It comes the ebb and the flow. Sometimes it's a little bit, but then it just just crashes onto your shores. And the winds, the torrential winds, just whip and snap your branches. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, what? Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When your eyes are looking at Jesus, when you're looking up to the Lord, those are the words that he immediately says to you. If you hear anything else, it's not the Lord, right? If you look up in your anxiety and the words you hear is, take courage, don't be afraid. If anything else, I wouldn't say that's from the Lord. Amen? Take courage. Don't be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Bold. I love that. Faithful. Come, he says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. When's the last time you've done that? But when he saw the wind, oh no, like the wind, right? He was afraid, and it began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. What I love is that Jesus climbed back in the boat, and the winds calmed down. That's, what, that's the presence of God, isn't it? The, the, the image of God of him coming into presence, coming into where you're at. I remember one guy said, he goes, All the other world religion says, Follow this eightfold path, follow these precepts, follow these laws. Jesus is the only one that said, Follow me. There's an intimacy, there's a person there that is saying, I'm going to be with you in that doctor's office. Sometimes you need to go back to when it all made sense. I remember one guy, he had uh, flown all the way back to Victoria, British Columbia, where, where, where we lived. He had lived in Toronto, which is the other side of the country. And uh, he was an, just an anxious pile of just, he was a mess. He was a complete, he was having panic attacks. He had so many different worries. And he, he came up to, uh, to one, of, one of the pastors in this street church. And he's like, why? He's like, why are you here? He goes, my life is an absolute mess. My children don't want anything to do with me. I, my, my second wife is, like, gone. Um, I'm going through, like, I have money, but I, I don't like it. I've got all these cars. I've got houses. I go on any trip I want, but I'm just full of anxiety, full of fear, full of this. And, and he goes, so why are you here? He goes, this is where it all made sense. He's like, what? He's like, I was a youth in this youth group, in this church. I flew all the way back because I felt the only way to come back to where I was at the most peace, the peace that transcends all understanding, was in this church at this youth group. And he started asking, is the youth pastor still around? Well, no, he's moved on and stuff. But he just said, look, I need to start, I need to go back to a ground zero, I need to go back to where it made sense. Sometimes you've been in that situation. You need to go back to where, what what did God say last? What was his last thing he said to you? When did it all make sense to you? Before you veered off. So calm, that C. A is ask God for help. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, what? Every? Seldom, sometimes, when you feel like it. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I lay, not laid there, sitting there, kind of with this, this towel around me. There was no, oh, Heavenly Father, we do beseech you only. I didn't start scolding, scolding? Quoting or some scripture. I think my, my prayer was, God save me. God rescue me, God help me. I don't know what's going on. I I had never gone through this kind of panic thing ever. I've heard about it, I counsel people with it, but it was freaking me out. I just, I couldn't control my breathing. My heart was pounding, racing. I was like, what is going on? Later on, doctor came in and started talking to me, talking to me about what was true. He said to me, he goes, um, I, one of the first things he said is, uh, what's going on? Like, what, where, what are you thinking about right now? And I said, the image of me having that blue disabled placard, you know, what do you guys put it in your car? Yeah, I had that image of, that's what m- my life's, my, my, my life's going to be that. Like my little 18-month-old daughter that's just running and playing and jumping and wanting to go stuff. I am no longer to be fully functional dad for her. For her and for my wife, I'm going to have this disabled sign on my my car. That 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 was the initial trauma for me. Not to say that my life would end there; wouldn't be crushed, would be different. But in that moment, I couldn't explain it. But I just that scared me beyond all things. Doctor Rye was like, "Oh, John." <laughs> He goes, you know, what, you know what the truth is? I have fixed and repaired crazier and more serious cases than you. I like oh, really? He's like, yeah. Last week I had a guy literally crawling in on his knees. After about six or seven sessions, he's back to playing hockey. That just, That just, for some reason, that just gave me some grounding. It kind of tethered down those those wires saying, okay, if you could fix that guy. He's like, yeah. He goes, I'll fix you now. I'll do an adjustment today. We'll do one, I think, at the end of the week. And then we'll do another one next week. and Then we'll do one every other week. And then by, we'll do one, once a month. And before long, you'll be back to your fighting self. If you're taking notes, C-A-L. L is leave your concerns with God. Let him, let God take charge. Let God guard your hearts and minds. Remember verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know, did I break your stand-up mixer? But Crystal had a stand-up mixer. You know the ones I'm talking about? It's, we have a new one now. What is it, Sunbeam, or what is it now? I can't remember what it's called what is it? KitchenAid. They're just as expensive or not as expensive as here. Here, we looked at a new one They're like a thousand dollars. You could buy a car or a stand-up mixer car. So I didn't understand that. So her stand-up mixer didn't work. But I just, we just couldn't throw it out. You know, like it's just that expensive. So it sat in our, our under uh, storage area underneath the stairs for like the longest time. And then one day, I think it was like for your birthday or Christmas, we're like, we're going to get this thing fixed. So I found a guy that fixes these machines, picked up the machine and took it to his little shop in the back of his house, gave it to him. And he looked, he goes, all right, I know how to fix this. And I thought, I'm like, what? He was like, yeah, I got the parts. It'll take about two, three days. It'll be right as rain. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is this, this amazing. Like, and I, here I am trying to, like, explain how it is. He's like, you know, you don't have to explain. I've fixed, fixed so many of these. It's all good. Notice what I didn't do. I didn't say, um, can, I, can I stay here and help you fix it? Like, the repairman would be like, no here's your little piece of paper, come back in three days. Notice what I didn't do. I didn't hover, you remember the helicopter? I didn't hover around him and ask him questions step by step going, okay, so I see that you're using a flathead screwdriver. Are you sure about that? Like, no. And notice, I didn't throw a sleeping bag out in his shop going, I'll stay here until it's ready. God does not, and I want to repeat this to your soul, your mind, I want want to say this to your face. God does not need our help, counsel, or his assistance. He doesn't. He's good. He's the repairman. Amen? He does not need your help help he does not need your you can when i hear christians like it sometimes in prayer they'll be like oh lord i just want to ask god for your uh your blessing over this situation lord would you just continue just to give them unique wisdom for this financial situation such as good budgeting lord they really need good budgeting so father we pray for budgeting good budgeting and 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 uh no visa cards no we want to get rid of it like it's like who are you talking to God does not need our help, our counsel, or assistance. What we need to do in that situation, whatever's broken, that anxiety is just welling up, the waves and the winds are just ripping you apart. Like Peter, is just surrender. Right? His, the, the whole idea is that he, he kept on looking at everything around him. And he had to just focus on who? Jesus. He's the repairman of your soul. Nor did he go, are you good? Is this going to work out? No, no, he didn't do that. He just kept his eyes on Jesus, the author, the repairman of your faith. Worry. Worry in the Greek is this weird word called merimano, and it has two branches. One is a noun and one is a verb. The noun is mind and the verb is Divide. So literally, when you worry, you divide your mind. Max Lucado, in his book, he he writes this, he goes, worry takes a meat cleaver to our thoughts, energy, and focus. Anxiety chops up our attention. It sends our awareness in a dozen different directions. We focus on the back then and the soon to come. The <laughs> we think so much about our past, almost too much. Will this trauma or drama happen again? The shoulda, coulda, and the wouldas will come, or the what-ifs will come. What if I had just heard that click in that cargo door? I could have just waited five seconds. I could have just waited to see it coming down a bit and be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not jumping up. What would have happened? What could have happened? What should have happened? What should have happened is Hawk Air should have taken that plane out of service and done the repair on that cargo door. It's their fault. You know, like you could go through on the what ifs. What if I didn't go to work that day and I wouldn't have had the telescoping of my neck? And like you could go through all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and the what ifs. Or maybe it's the thinking of the future. Well, Will, it, will, I, will I be like my parents? Will I be successful? Will I pass my biology assignment? Will I get, past, will I get passed over for a promotion? Will I get pregnant? Whatever those things are, you could, you could just be focused on all the wind and the waves of all that stuff and lose your focus. C A L and M. Meditate on good things. Got a chance to talk a little bit about this at Freedom Youth. There's a, a who, anyone a computer programmer in the office, in, in the office here? Okay, well, one guy. Okay. Do you remember GIGO, the, the acronym GIGO, G-I-G-O? Garbage in, garbage out. If you give code to a computer and it's garbage code, guess what you're going to get? Garbage code out. If you feed your mind tonight with garbage those winds and the waves, all that stuff will get clogged up. It'll get fixated on all those images, ideas, and thoughts. You feed your mind, your soul with all that garbage. It's just going to come out as garbage. But if you fed your mind tonight, you fed your spirit with the good and wholesome things, it will reap a harvest, a hundredfold of health, and focus, because it's centered on truth. And who is the truth? Jesus. Verse eight. Remember, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what true, whatever is noble, what is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if any of the an excellent praiseworthy, think on what such things. This is not a. It's not. This is not a, a hope. This is not just like a desire. This is what you need to do. When you're going through it, and I love what the, she was saying on the video, you have to go through what's truth. This thought pattern that I'm feeling about this, this neck injury. I had to ask the question, is this catastrophic? Like, is this going to end me? The doctor had to help me through it. He said, no, it's not going to end you. There's far worse. This guy crawling into the office. He's walking, playing hockey. Okay, so it's not Catastrophic. This thought pattern that I was going through, if it does happen, if I do need a blue placard for my car, is this the end of my life? Like, will my wife leave me? Will my child go, You never play with me, daddy? And, like, no. I'll probably have neck issues for the rest of my life. Is that okay? Well, can God heal it later on? I don't know, but it's not going to destroy me. So what's the truth that you're, ex- that you're experiencing right now? What do, you, what do you really have? So here's a couple things I want to throw at you. Instead of thinking, if, if only I had this, move from the if only's to I already have. Be thankful. Have that attitude of gratitude. Second is, who's sitting at your table right now? In other words, who is your support network that will be able to speak truth into your life? Do you know Simon Cowell from, like, America's top? Yeah, okay. You know what I love? Go on YouTube, like, and there's a couple videos where Simon Cowell is, like, mean. But his meanness is truth. I remember this one time where, you could find it online, but the the girl goes and she's told by all of her family that she's an amazing singer and her friends so there's even a, a voice coach that they pay for and she's saying oh she's an amazing singer she goes in front front of the panel she sings Simon Cowell's going that is horrible you your voice you are you should stop stop singing and he even tells her like has anyone told you the truth like this is horrible and then he's actually more angry at her her support network for not telling her the truth Folks, I'm telling you, especially at your age, get people that will be your biggest cheerleaders and your hardest critics. Like if if you're wearing something that's just inappropriate and your friends go, that is horrible. What is wrong with you? Okay, I'll change, right? We don't need to go halfway through the the service and Jaunty's still got duct tape attached to his leg. Immediately at prayer time, like, Jaunty, duct tape on your leg. Okay, be here, be that guy. Imagine if Jaunty went home, all the way home, he's driving, he sees a shiny bit on his leg, he's like, oh, come on, I've been a whole night with duct tape on my knee. You people, who's sitting at my table? You need people that will call out the broccoli in your teeth, you stink, you don't look good, you're too tall, too short. You need people to be honest with you. Yeah, like you can fix the too tall, too short. You're too short. Get some lifts. And also, what do, you, what do you already have? What do you have? You have a loving community. You have friends. This is not going to destroy you. I love, the, I love the last part with that lady. She said, and so when the next time comes, and it's true. Years later, I tweaked my knee. Went to the doctor. I still had a, a mild panic attack. I was like, I thought I, you know, you know you're like, oh, I felt I dealt with this. Nope. I'm sitting there, and the guy comes in. I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, this is my knee. And he's like, almost like, Dr. Wright. I haven't touched you. Like, do you just need a moment? Collect your stuff. So I started breathing. I was like, okay. I got over it. Started talking about what's truth. Will this end me? Will this destroy my life? Will I get a blue thing for my, no. And then it happened again. My son threw a fastball. We were practicing pitching in baseball. It's a sport that we play in Canada and America. And so I'm at the mound, the pitcher's mound, and he's over there and and so I pitch and he a grounder is a ball that doesn't go this way. It's a bound it comes this way. So it hit me right here. So when I wear shorts and you look at my left leg, I need you to say, "Oh my gosh, that's disgusting." because it is disgusting. So there's a massive scar here, but it hit me right here and nothing happened. I was like, just like, oh, it hurts, but no breaking of the skin, no nothing. Days later, an infection started and it got all nasty and gross and I had to get it like cleaned and I had to get IV treatment, it was crazy. I remember when the lady was digging around in my hands like, like, I thought, hey, I'm not having a panic attack. Okay. It's a little weird. She, they're like, the intern is like, just hold on. You don't have a lot of veins. I'm like, I have one there, there. He's like, maybe we'll have to go. And they're like, go through the leg. I'm like, you're not touching my feet. Like, and then this, the, there's this older nurse. One Prick Pam was her name. That was her nickname in the ER. One Prick Pam. I was like, she's like, oh, where's One Prick Pam? And I was like, One Prick Pam? I was like, she's like, just she's a wizard. She's a legend. So this woman, she's like, Ninety. She's like walks in like Yoda for IV treatments. She's like she does this. She's like squeeze your hand. I'm like okay, and they go one, two, three. I'm like all right, and now what? Sink. And she's like oh, and she's like and it's like Vroom. like, and everyone they're like this going walking away going oh legend you know, but the whole time I'm not hey you know I noticed something I'm not hyperventilating I didn't need to lie down I didn't get lightheaded because. The initial trauma got to be dealt with and it got dealt with again and it got dealt with again. Did I still feel a little anxious about it? I did. But nothing like the first time. Calm. There's another story about Jesus. He wakes up in the boat with all the disciples. Waves, Winds. What does he do? He calms the storm.